Hey everyone, I hope you're having a great day. It is a, another beautiful Thursday morning in Texas. Uh, October is a great time to live in Texas. It's cool in the morning, warm in the afternoon, but always you're typically sunny. So hope you're doing well. Hope you're enjoying nice weather wherever you may be. And uh, thank you for, for joining me today. We are looking at Galatians chapter 5, which is an amazing, an amazing book of scripture. An amazing chapter of scripture. We got some really, really great things to talk about today. So, uh, thanks so much for joining me, and, and hope that uh, hope you're having a great day so far. So, um, so far we've done uh, Galatians one, two, three, and four. Uh, those are posted. You can find those on the Abiding Grace uh, Facebook page. You can find those at the audio versions and on the Grace Abides podcast. And now we've started. Uh, posting them on YouTube as well. So you can find those uh, in any of those places. So uh, Galatians 1, 2, 3, and 4. Today, Galatians 5. And then uh, next Tuesday, we will uh, we will finish Galatians, Galatians chapter 6. And next Thursday, we will start something new. Uh, good morning, D. Today, the temp is going down. Is it getting colder out? Is that what's going on? Uh, I'd, be, I'd be up for that. I would love that. So, um, okay. Galatians chapter 5. Let's jump right in. Verse 1, Paul writes, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For freedom Christ has set us free. It's important that we understand Jesus has made us free. We don't make ourselves free. Jesus made us free. And this freedom is a gift given to us by God. You have been freed. You've been freed from this slavery of the law. So according to Paul, our freedom is from the tyranny of having to earn our own salvation, to having to earn our own way to God. It's freedom uh, from sin, freedom from guilt, freedom from condemnation, and freedom from the penalty and the power of sin. I think that's something we need to say again. Freedom from sin, freedom from guilt. I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but I know a lot of people struggle with guilt. When we make a mistake, it's something we carry around, right? And so we, we walk around feeling guilty, feeling like we failed. And, and Paul is saying, you do not need to feel guilty. You have been freed from that. That is the message of salvation. That is the message of the forgiveness of sin. So we have been freed from sin and from the power of sin. How, that, that's incredible. Now, Paul says, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Well, Paul says stand firm because, well, because it takes an effort. It's not easy to stay in the place of freedom. It's not easy to stay in the place of freedom from sin, freedom from guilt, freedom from condemnation, and from the power and penalty of sin. It takes work. It, well, it, I mean, it, it takes an effort to stay in that place, to live free, to live as people who have been freed by Christ, to not be uh, overly consumed with the mistakes of our past or the mistakes of today, to learn to let that go, to leave the past in the past so that we can live today a day full of joy and peace. Uh, and so you and I, People of faith, we should reject any message that we hear that says we can both uh, have Jesus 
and a relationship with God based on works, right? We've talked about that in some of the previous chapters that uh, a lot of people will say that we need the grace of God plus our good works. And then when we put the two together, that's enough to be saved. But we reject that. We say, no, we don't need good works. So we reject any message that says Jesus plus. Jesus plus our good works. Jesus plus our ability to follow the law. The systems of grace and law are incompatible and you can't have them both, right? You can have one or the other. And God says, grace. I choose grace. I choose to work with you on the system of grace. Martin Luther said, tongue cannot express nor heart conceive what a terrible thing it is to make Christ worthless. A terrible thing it is to make Christ worthless. When we rely on our works, we make Christ worthless. We make Christ's sacrifice worthless. And so we rely on grace. We rely on God's grace. We rely on the freedom that we have been given by God from sin, death, the devil, and all the penalties of sin. Good morning, Tina. Uh, great to have you here. Thanks for, oh, it is going to get 70s now, 60s by supper time. Fantastic. Good morning, Patty and Claudia. Great to have you all here. My, I'm looking, it says there's only one person watching, but four of you are with me making comments. So maybe, maybe there's more than one. I don't know, but uh, great to have you all here. Okay, verse four. I mean, th this, this chapter is so good. This chapter is so good. There's so much good stuff here. And I hope, I just pray that I do a good enough job to explain it because it is so, so, so good. Okay, verse four. Paul writes, you who want to be justified by the law have cut yourselves off from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. You have fallen away from grace. So in verse one, he says, you have been freed uh, from slavery. Don't go back to it. You can't have both. But now he says, okay, if you want the other, if you would prefer to hear a message of salvation by works through the law, you have cut yourselves off from Christ and you have fallen away from grace. Now, this is not the same thing as you have fallen from grace, which is something we say in our language. Uh, that's, that's not the same thing. But uh, Luther said, to fall out of grace means to lose the atonement, the forgiveness of sins, the righteousness, liberty, and life which Jesus has merited for us by his death and resurrection. To lose the grace of God means to gain the wrath and judgment of God, death, the bondage of the devil, and everlasting condemnation. So rely on grace. Rely on grace and don't rely on works. Because if you do, if you choose to rely on works and righteousness, you have fallen away from grace and cut yourself off from Christ because you have made Christ worthless, as what, what Luther would say. And so, you know, that's something I think we still struggle with today because we want works to be part of our faith. We want works to be part of our salvation so that we can be proud of ourselves, so that we can point to the good things we do and say, Look how good of a person I am. I may not be perfect, but I'm better than others. And that's not how it works. That's not how it works, according to Paul. Good morning, Jackie. Oh, Craig is working at the church. Cool. I, um, I'm going to head over there as soon as I'm done here. So I'll be sure to say hello to him. Okay. Verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. Now listen to this. This is so, so, so beautiful. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. Verse 6 right here. 
Galatians 5, 6. This, this should be on the list of favorite verses. This is such a beautiful verse. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. The only thing that counts, faith working through love. You have faith? Great. But do you have faith that works through love? We see faith working through other things all the time, right? We see uh, faith working through obedience, right? I'm going to show my faith by being obedient. Um, I, we, we see faith working through fear, right? Uh, you know, the, those other places, other pastors will use the fear of God to manipulate. This is the, the Catholic Church of the 14 and 1500s, right? Your family members are in hell, and the only way to get them out is to buy this indulgence. So they use fear for you to live out your faith. Obligation, like that we have certain obligations to our church and to, you know, that, that, so our faith, we, we do things because we feel obligated to do them, right? We see faith working through intimidation and humiliation, right? I'm going to make you feel small because I am standing on the soapbox of Christianity. I have this self-righteousness and I'm going to try and humiliate you and I'm going to try and make you feel dumb because you don't believe what I believe and all this stuff. And we argue back and forth and we all think we're right and all that stuff. So now what Paul says, the only thing that counts is faith working through love. Faith working through wanting the best for the other and the willingness to sacrifice for the sake of the other, because that's what love is. That's what love does. Imagine a church that does that. Imagine a church that shows their faith through their love, through their love for one another and through their love for the stranger. Imagine that church. That is what Paul says the church is supposed to be. We are supposed to be people who show our faith through love. Period. Simple. And end of story. That's it. Faith through love. Show your faith through your love. Faith works through love. I mean, that's, I mean, if you want to you get a tattoo of a Bible verse, that's the one to get. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. That's it. Nothing else matters. Your, your, the, your ability to, to keep the law, to, you know, none of that matters. All that matters is your faith working through love. How powerful is that? How cool is that? All right, verses 13 and 14, Paul says, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So Paul has made the point over and over again about freedom, right? That you were called to freedom, that through Jesus you are free. But the fear or the temptation with that freedom is that it's going to be used as a rationalization or an opportunity for sin, for self-indulgence, right? That's what it talks about here, self-indulgence. But for sin, for the sins of the flesh, right? Basically, you go out and say, I can do whatever I want because Jesus has forgiven me. It doesn't matter, right? That's what we call cheap grace. The idea that you go out and you say, well, I can do whatever I want. Uh, I, 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 can, I can sin because it doesn't really matter. Jesus has already forgiven my sins. That's cheap grace. Now, are we going to fall short? Absolutely. Are we going to sin? Absolutely. But if we're going out, knowing we're going to sin, knowing beforehand, I'm going to sin, but, but I know that I'm forgiven, so it's not that big of a deal. That's cheap grace. 
Uh, so Paul's simple answer to that is, well, serve one another. By serving one another, through serving one another, you overcome the temptation of sin. Serving one another is not sinful. Truly serving one another is not sinful because it places the other, uh, places our focus on the other instead of on ourselves. And so we serve one another. We are saying no to sin. We're saying no to sin when we serve others. Luther wrote, if you want to know how you ought to love your neighbor, ask yourself how much you love yourself. If you were to get into trouble or danger, you would be glad to have the love and help of all men. You do not need any book of instruction to teach you how to love your neighbor. All you have to do is look into your own heart and it will tell you how you ought to love your neighbor as yourself. So when we love our neighbor as ourselves, we are overcoming the temptation of sin. So serve one another. Don't, uh, don't, don't lean on cheap grace. Okay. Verses 18 through 23. I mean, it's like, there's so many, so much good stuff in this chapter. Uh, and the next, the next verses I'm sure you've, you've heard before, 18 through 23. Five verses, stick with me. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. So the good things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the bad things, the logalist, but dissension and faction and envy and drunkenness and carousing and anger and all that stuff. I mean, sounds a lot like, well, you can fill in the blank. So verse 16, which we didn't read, Paul says to live by the Spirit. Verse 18, if you are led by the Spirit. Now, the, the, here's what it means to the fruit of the Spirit. How do we know that we are led by the Spirit or living by the Spirit? Well, first, know that the Spirit lives with you. Know that lives in you, is always with you. If you're baptized, the Holy Spirit is with you. It's been with you since the moment of your baptism. Um, and second, so the, what Paul is suggesting here is be open and sensitive to the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life and live your life according to the influence of the Holy Spirit as often as possible, whenever possible. Try and try and try to be uh, influenced by the Spirit as often as possible. Try and try and try love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so we have these lists of good and bad behavior. Uh, and he says, there is no law against love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faith. Uh, but the other part sounds like law, right? The other part, the works of the flesh are obvious. Uh, goes to, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, it makes us think, well, wait a second. Wait a second. This sounds like we're being back, going backwards. We're being enslaved again by the law. Why are you writing this? Verses 19 through 21, it sounds like are incompatible with the rest of Galatians because the rest of Galatians says you have been freed from the law. You've been freed from the, 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 the penalties of sin. You have been freed from the power of sin. And now you just listed a bunch of sins that um, 
that we have a hard time with. I mean, some of them are pretty easy, right? Uh, maybe not, but anger? If I'm angry, I will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, the thing is, is anger isn't a choice. I can't tell myself to stop getting angry. Anger is an emotion. You can't choose to feel something. It just happens. Now, what we do with that anger, we can choose. But anger rising in us is, I mean, how, how can you stop yourself from feeling angry? How can you stop yourself from feeling sad? I mean, it's part of life. Luther writes, there is a law, of course, but it does not apply to those who bear these fruits of the Spirit. The law is not given for the righteous man. A true Christian conduct, conducts himself in such a way that he does not need any law to warn or to restrain him. As far as he's concerned, there, there would not have to be any law. Okay. As far as he is concerned, there would not have to be any law. More so, if a person has the fruit of the Spirit, if a person has the Spirit, they don't need the law. The law has been fulfilled already in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have been freed from the law, freed from the power and penalty of it. And so we need not worry about that one line that says, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, because we've all done such things. And we all do such things. None of us is perfect. None of us will be perfect, ever. But we have been freed from the power and penalty of sin. We shall not, need not feel guilty. Need not be afraid of what God would say to us. So, but we should do our best in life to live according to the influence of the Holy Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Nine things that, that make for a better life. And that if we can, if we can do those things, our, we will have faith working through us in love, and we will be, I mean, the people of God will, will do, God will do incredible things through the people of God. So, okay, we will stop there. Everybody have a great rest of your day, and we will close with a quick word of prayer. Uh, Lord God, we thank you for the freedom that you have given us, for the ability uh, to walk away from our sins and not feel guilty or shame, uh, knowing that you have forgiven them. We thank you uh, for the opportunity to, to love one another, to, to share our faith through love, and we pray that as your Spirit is with us, it would influence each and everything we do, each and everything we say, and that others would see your love through us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody, have a wonderful day. I will see you next week, next Tuesday. Take good care of yourselves.